It's the bravest thing you can ever do is ask someone for help. Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and today we're bringing on Jessica Rowe, one of Australia's most fabulous TV presenters, journalists, author, and is a member of the Order of Australia for Mental Health Advocacy. She has a new book out called Diary of a Crap Housewife, which is all about being gentle on yourself. The reason why I was so chuffed to have Jessica come onto the show was because when I was suffering postnatal depression in hospital, a beautiful friend of mine gave me her book called Is This My Beautiful Life? Jessica also battled gut-wrenching and severe postnatal depression, and I thought if someone as fabulous as Jess could experience postnatal depression and recover, perhaps I could too. Her story gave me hope, and since then I've had the pleasure of meeting her working with her at Business Chicks, and I'm so proud to call her a friend. I hope this podcast today gives you hope that if you or someone else around you is going through a mental health condition, you can recover with the right experts around you. If this podcast triggers you in any way, please go and speak to your trusted GP, psychologist, or specialist. You are never alone. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Gidget Foundation Australia, a national not-for-profit supporting the emotional well-being of expectant and new parents to ensure that those in need receive timely, appropriate and supportive care. Without further ado, let's welcome Jessica Rowe to the show. When I was in the hospital unit, someone gave me your book and when I was reading your book and it was about your experience with perinatal anxiety and depression, that honestly gave me so much strength because, and I think I told you this at Business Chicks, when I read your story and thought, gosh, if Jessica Rowe could go through something like perinatal anxiety and depression, and she's beautiful and smart and so divine, then maybe it's okay if I'm experiencing it as well. And it made it kind of normalize it for me and that I wasn't, you know, crazy or um, because when I was in the psychiatry hospital, I was starting to think, oh, am I the craziest person in here? Does anyone else experience this like me? And and so you had a really rocky time with both babies. What was your perinatal anxiety and depression experience like? Oh, it was terrible. First of all, though, Chelsea, I'd love to just say you sharing that with me means the world to me. And I remember when you were presenting to Business Chicks and I heard you say that. And it makes me teary even now hearing mm-hmm. you say it again because and I don't want to sound too emotional, but it does make me emotional because I'm such a believer in connecting through our stories. Mm-hmm. And the fact that some of my story helped you makes me, reassures me and makes mm-hmm. me know that it's the right thing to do because mm-hmm. even though it happened so long ago or it seems like such a long time ago, you know, Allegra is now 13, Giselle wow. is 10, it's still hard to talk about. Each time I talk about it, I think, oh, do I really want to go back to that place? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to think about that again? But hearing you, hearing your experience, but also knowing that there are so many people going through it, it makes it worthwhile to talk about because when you are in the depths of such terrible despair, you do feel it's just you. Yeah. You do feel like you're the crazy one. You yeah. do feel like, oh, my God, I'm losing my mind and everyone else around me 
seems to have it all together. What's Absolutely. wrong with me? When, when the, the fact is, as you know so well, it's not just you. It's, mm-hmm. It impacts on so many of us, but we still don't talk enough about it. And I do think, although we are getting better, I think, talking about mental health, mental illness in general terms, I do think there is still a, a stigma around postnatal depression. And I think where that stems from is that there's this mythical idea that motherhood is meant to be easy and you're just meant to know what to do and you're meant to come into your own as a woman. And sure, that might be the experience of some people, but it's not the experience for many people. And and we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk enough about when I was in the depths of my postnatal depression, as you'd said, what was it like for me? Mm. I felt like there was a pane of glass between me and the rest of the world. Everyone was telling me how this was meant to be the happiest time of my life, the best time of my life, but yeah. it wasn't. It was the worst time. And, and I felt so guilty because from the outside, I had everything I had ever wanted in my life. I had my beautiful husband. I had a healthy baby. We'd gone through IVF to have her. So I knew how lucky I was. And even when I was going through the IVF, I'd sort of made this vow to myself that I wasn't going to complain because I used to get so angry when I'd hear mothers around me saying how hard it was. When going through the IVF, I'd think, you don't know how lucky you are to even be a mother, to have a baby. I'm not going to be like that. So when I felt such despair such unhappiness, such numbness, mm-hmm. I, I felt like a failure and mm. and I couldn't make sense of it. I found breastfeeding excruciating. I couldn't do it. No. I never knew nipples could bleed until <laughs> oh, no. I tried to. Or your breasts could look like that? Yes. <laughs> and I remember thinking, God, I can't even feed my baby. So yeah. if I can't breastfeed her, I must be the world's most terrible mum. So you know, I began this really negative soundtrack in my mind about how I was such a failure. And that was at such odds with everything that people were saying to me on the outside. And I was very good at pretending that I had it all together. You know, you would have looked at me walking down the street with my brand new baby in the pram and thought, oh, look at her, that yummy mummy, she knows what she's doing. Whereas on the inside, I was dying. And for me, what how it really manifested itself was, it began with the the negative talk with feeling like a failure mm. and not being able to articulate that I wasn't coping with with the not being able to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get very anxious and I started to have panic attacks and I'd never experienced those before. And, and I started to really obsess about all the things that could go wrong with mm-hmm. Allegra. Mm-hmm. And and that became even more negative and quite frightening for me because I started to think about what might happen if I dropped her or what might happen if the knife, you know, if I got the knife out of the my the drawer and all these really scary thoughts that yeah. were so at odds with who I was. Mm-hmm. But I was so frightened of what that meant that I couldn't tell anyone. And because I didn't tell anyone, it got worse and worse and mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep at night even though I was so exhausted because my mind just mm-hmm. didn't stop whirring 
about what might happen, what might happen. And and I, I, I used to hate night times because it was so lonely and I still think about that saying, the dead of night, and it's such a awful, lonely time. Mm. And and it was just terrible. And where I suppose I got to a point where I knew I needed to get help was when I found myself early one morning throwing out the knives that were in our kitchen drawer, wrapping them up in newspaper and putting them in our garbage bins. And I thought if anyone could see what I'm doing now, <laughs> they would just think, what, what has happened to that lady? She is crazy. <laughs> Like that that was sort of my, I think we all have different rock bottoms, but that was mine like, what am I doing? And so I knew, I knew I had to ask for help. And asking for help is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Yes. And, and I know, Chelsea, you're like me in the sense that I'd always been a coper and mm-hmm. I'd always thought strength was about coping and just getting on with things and not needing help. Mm. And it's the bravest thing you can ever do is ask someone for help. And I and I talked to my mum. She was the first person I asked for help because I knew I knew mum would understand. Yeah. You know, my mum has bipolar. She's been very open about her illness. She also had postnatal depression with me, which I knew. And so I knew that she was someone safe that I could talk to. And I think it's so important for when you do ask for help, Ask the right person, whether it be someone you love, someone who's close to you, your GP, a professional, but but ask for help. And then mum listened, which is what is so important. People need yeah. to listen when someone comes to you. And mum made me actually, she said, promise me you got, you're going to tell Peter so that Petey's my husband and yeah. promise me you're going to tell your doctor. So I made my mum those two promises knowing that's what I had to do. And, and I remember when I spoke to Petey, that was probably the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life. You know, even with the you wrapping the knives up and putting them in the bin and people thinking, who's this, you know, in, this beautiful mom and baby and she's got it all going on. And then behind the scenes, it's like we're doing all these behaviours going, oh, my gosh, I've lost I've lost my mind. And yes. I remember when I got into hospital in the psychiatry hospital and when you land yourself into a psychiatry unit, you kind of do start playing these games going, am I the craziest person in here? Is there anyone else crazier than me? Um, and I remember this lady walks in and there's this mum that walks in because we're at a mums and bubs unit in Burwood, which is a fantastic hospital called St John of God if you ever need to be hospitalised. And I was in there and uh, this lady walks in and she hadn't brushed her hair for about three months and I'm thinking yeah she's she's winning she's winning the crazy race for sure and she comes in and uh (laughs) and I'm at the laundry and I'm trying to because when you have have such bad perinatal anxiety and depression my brain was quite foggy I couldn't remember how to put formula into Clara's bottle I couldn't even remember how to wash clothes and she came in and she's looked at me and she's like Hey you, I'm I'm trying to work out who's crazier out of me and you, and I, I was just like gobsmacked because I'm like, first of all, <laughs> she's playing my game, and secondly, I'm thinking, how can you think I look crazier than you? Like you love haven't brushed your hair for three months, and uh, <laughs> and she's like, look, I know I'm struggling on this. <laughs> Did you just snort? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, um, and she 
and, and she's like, look, I know I haven't brushed my hair for a, for a little while, but she said, but looking at you, your maternity jeans, they're on back to front. And I've looked at them <laughs> and they were my back, you know, the back pockets of jeans. They're literally at the front and I've got the, you know, the bum sag at the front. And, and we both just did that. We both laughed and cried. And then, you know, I said, oh, look, I'm, I probably am crazier than you. I said, I'm suicidal. I'm on really high doses of um, medication. I can't leave the hospital unit and I've got severe insomnia. Um, and she said to me, me too, darling. And you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. it, but I am Sydney's one of their top barristers. And we just cried and laughed and we became such good friends because the insomnia was so bad um, that we stayed up all night talking while they sort of worked out our medication. But my, going back to the conversation with, with, with Pete around, you know, you cooked him that panko crumb schnitzel and after reading your book, Crap Housewife, which I absolutely love, I know this recipe well because now I make that because I, I think I'm a bit of a crap housewife too. And <laughs> <laughs> So how did he respond when you opened up to him and really told him what, what you're thinking? He was and is such a darling, good, decent man and he told me everything that I needed to hear that night because I was so anxious about telling him Mm -hmm. because I'd been able to pretend I'd been able to keep it Mm -hmm. together for him for everyone around me and and I felt like such a failure inside because I thought if I tell you what I'm feeling I'm not only letting you down I'm letting a baby down a brand new family down and but I knew I knew after making my mum that promise but I also knew because of where my head was at that I needed to yeah. tell him that I needed to get help. And, and, and you know, I, so I cooked him this, this schnitzel, which was his favourite meal, still is. We had that. We were watching telly. We were talking. I kept procrastinating, thinking after we've eaten, after the show's finished, <laughs> after we've had the rocky road in the fridge. Yeah. But then I thought, come on. Yeah. Because he said to me, he, was, he calls me Pussycat. He said, oh, Pussycat, I'm so proud of you. It's all, you're just doing so well. It's just wonderful. And, and I took a deep breath and I thought, I have to tell him. Mm. And I said, it's not, I said, it's not going so well. I said, I am so frightened. I'm really frightened. I have postnatal depression. Mm. And then Petey being the beautiful man that he is, what he did was that he took me in his arms and he said to me, it's going to be okay. Oh, and that is what I needed to hear that night. Yes. I didn't need to hear, as often well-meaning people might say, don't be so ridiculous. You must be imagining it. So-and-so's far worse off. You'll be right. Don't Absolutely. be silly. Yeah. And, and, and I can understand why people who don't understand might say that, but yeah. that is not helpful. No. All I, what I needed that night was that reassurance it was going to be okay. And what I, I still remember so clearly is by telling him that, I felt some weight lift from my shoulders. It wasn't as if I was suddenly, oh, I'm better. But this burden that I'd been carrying inside of me started to lessen because I think when we put voice to our fears, to our worst fears that are churning inside of us, it, they lose some of their power. They lose some of their potency when we start to share it with those around us. And, and then w- what Petey did was that he, he then sort of, it was great, he then slipped into fix-it mode, which was, okay, I'm going to ring 
the doctor tomorrow. We're mm-hmm. going to get in. We're going to see her and we'll take it from there. So the next Isn't morning. Isn't great, I've Jess, because got- you need that, don't you? You need that. Yes. Someone, when you're that unwell, you need someone to take, like, the, the directive. And, and Jay was very similar with, you know, we love you and life is not better without you not here and we're going to get your professional help straight away. And I needed him to take control because I didn't know what to do next um, because I was just so unwell. I'm like, I don't even know what to do here. So you need someone that, in your life that's quite firm and going, you know what we need to do? We need to get you to the doctor and we need to have a conversation with them straight away. That's it. You need an anchor. You need yeah. your anchor in the storm who's going yeah. to say, right, this is the path we're going to take. And and so we did that. We, we I saw my doctor the next day. I poured my heart out to her mm. and she organised for me to see a specialist in PND the mm-hmm. very next day. Right. So I was lucky that when I asked for help, I got the right help quickly. Mm. And I do appreciate for, for many people it's not as simple as that, that you feel like you're being moved from here to there to there. Yeah. But I was lucky that then when I got in to see my psychiatrist, I remember, again, pouring all my heart out to her and I remember <laughs> I told her everything, my de- things that I hadn't even told Peter because at that point I hadn't told Petey about my obsessive thoughts and my fears for yeah. what would happen to Allegra. I was too frightened to even, I couldn't tell him at that at that point. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I told my psychiatrist and I was ready for her to basically go, you're crazy, you're <laughs> off you go, we're taking your baby, that's it. Yeah, that's but what you think is going to happen, yeah, but just yes. doesn't. <laughs> no. And she looked at me and she said, that's normal. And I remember going, yes. normal? I, know. I am crazy. Like I'm a crazy <laughs> lady. That is not normal. But she said, what? It is normal for someone who has postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. And yet again, a little bit more weight came off my shoulders yeah. that first appointment because she was validating what I was feeling. She was validating saying, it is an illness. And although it took a long time for me to properly process that, mm. I did come to realise that I wasn't a failure. I wasn't a bad mum. What I was feeling didn't mean I didn't love my baby. I just simply had an illness that I needed help to get through. And, and that's how we need to see PND. That's also how yeah. we need to talk about it. And also it's how we need people around us to process it as well. Absolutely. And but but it's hard and it's um as I said at the start of our conversation that it's still hard to talk about because mm-hmm. it's your it's you know, your deepest, darkest fears oh, absolutely. and it's and it's the things you mask and that you think I'll pre- I'll pretend and I'll get through it. But but you You're- you can't do it on your own. Absolutely not. And your vulnerability, it honestly saved my life. And then for me and you, hopefully this touches someone out there who's listening, who goes, wow, I'm going through those kinds of symptoms or signs. Maybe I can, you know, reach out to someone as well and get myself well. And I think the other stigma as well, Jess, is around the antidepressants. And I um, I remember my psychiatrist saying to me, oh, Chelsea, you're going to go have to go on Zoloft. And I was really afraid. I thought, and I said to her, you know what, I do yoga and I eat organic. Um, I can just beat it. And she's like, I couldn't give a crap what you do. <laughs> she said... <laughs> She's like, your brain is not producing serotonin. She said, if you had diabetes, would you take insulin? And I said, yeah, I would. 
And she said, exactly. Your brain is not producing serotonin. I need to give you something as a buffer to help you. And I really wish I didn't have such a huge, um, I guess, up against the medication because two weeks after being on Zoloft, I felt amazing and it honestly saved my life. And and your story that, that you've just shared, Chelsea, is spot on in terms of that's many people's experience or reticence about taking antidepressants. But the thing is, you it, it is a matter of life or death for mm. some people. And I I didn't have an issue taking them. But for me, why I didn't have the issue taking them was because of my mum's mental illness. And of yeah. course, bipolar is very different to postnatal depression. Yeah. But I've seen the difference that medication has meant for my mum and that it has saved her countless times, but yeah. it's also enabled her to lead a really good, fulfilling life. Absolutely. So I had no qualms taking them. And I remember, uh, <laughs> and I laugh about it still when I think about it with my psychiatrist, that at the end of that first appointment, you know, we were sort of as the appointment was wrapping up or towards the end, I was sort of, well, how can I get better? I want to get back to being me. And she said, well, of course, I want you to come and see me a few times a week. We'll talk and there's medication. And I went, great, I want to start on the medication. And (laughs) she laughs because she says, I don't think I ever had a patient who was so willing to just go, Get me the script. I want to start. And, <laughs> and I, I, I remember rushing to the pharmacy that afternoon to fill my script out because <laughs> I honestly couldn't wait to get going on it because I'd seen, and again, I want to make the difference there, bipolar is very different to postnatal depression, but mm-hmm. I'd seen what medication had meant for my mum. Yeah. So I had no qualms taking it. I've been very open about taking antidepressants because the point you raise about if we had diabetes, we'd have no problems taking insulin. Absolutely. If you have high blood pressure, you have no problem taking mm-hmm. various medications. And yeah. it's the same for our brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. Life is hard enough. <laughs> Dealing with depression, mental illness is hard enough on your own without actually turning to medication. And the experts, these are experts who are prescribing it. And and it makes such a difference. You know, you said with Absolutely. Zoloft, you remember two weeks later the difference. I remember for me a similar, it was maybe three weeks, and I remember standing in our front lawn and Allegra was sleeping. It was sort of just after lunchtime and I smelt the, the jasmine in the breeze again and our jasmine had been flowering for ages down oh, our side wow. fence and I hadn't smelt that for so long but I could smell it again. And that was such a sign for me of this gentle change in the breeze. And it's not as if medication suddenly like flicking a switch and you Mm -hmm. go, woohoo, I'm back. But it's this lovely just upswing. And and taking the medication enabled me to get back to being me again. It enabled me to focus on being a mum focusing on my beautiful baby and my husband and and just dealing with the sorts of slings and arrows that life throws you anyway. And and I think we need to talk about the benefits of antidepressants and 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 to really keep removing that shame because they saved my life and and it's so important that you don't deny yourself that mm-hmm. chance. Yes. 
It's, yeah. it's tough enough. And Absolutely. sure, do the yoga, drink the green drinks, whatever it is you want yeah. to do, but that is not going to lift you out of a major depression. No, and it's just another tool in the toolkit. And I I think it's so powerful, Jess. And isn't that amazing that the, the antidepressant actually made the colour and the smell brighter where people think antidepressants, you know, numbs you out and you can't feel things and... But it's actually the reverse. You know, when you're in such a severe period of depression, you can't feel anything anyway. And Of course you can't. And yeah. I think in a way that kind of talk is really quite damaging. It's like mm-hmm. people who say artists can only create when they're depressed. I think that is the biggest load oh, of crap. I agree. Yeah. when you are deeply depressed, you cannot get out of bed. You cannot do anything, no. you're not let motivated. alone create beauty. Uh, you, you need... You need to give yourself as much of a break as possible. And to me, antidepressants, that. Absolutely. That is so good. Oh, my gosh, this is so good. This is going to help, I think, a lot of people, Jess. And I'm just going to finish with what you do these days to embrace your mental well-being. Um, maybe a couple of self-care tips to our, to our audience. Is there anything that you're like, yeah, you know what, this is my self-care and this is kind of what I do? I I have to say I'm sure like, like yourself, like many people, I still don't look after myself enough mm-hmm. and I'll find myself at times of when there's other stresses, other demands, I will feel depleted and I know that's because I haven't put myself first enough and often as women we, we still don't do that enough. We feel guilty. We feel like we have to look after everyone else first and that's Absolutely. still for me a huge work in progress and I'm nowhere near there yet. However, things that do help me that I really try and carve out for myself is I love Pilates. I try and do that twice a week and I go with a girlfriend and we laugh. We'll have a coffee afterwards and Pilates combined with the just laughing and chatting with my beautiful friend is such an elixir for me. So that's really important. And I also, I love eating chocolate in bed, reading. (laughs) And so I'll try and do that. And that's very much for me after a full-on day. That is my downtime. And I love, I've got a Kindle and I curl up in bed while the rest of the house is asleep and I'll have a Mars bar or a Chiquito or something (laughs) and just... That's like my little time and I I love that. And I've always loved reading and times in my life I've forgotten about that and I really now love to devour books and I go through phases of reading, you know, light, easy, pulpy crime fiction or other times more sort of heavyweight literary works depending on my mood. But for me that is such an escape. So so I'd say they're the sorts of things that help me I'm also getting better at saying no to things. I think we need to embrace the power of no. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to be a people pleaser all the time and you don't have to have a a jam-packed diary that it's important what you say no to, it's equally important what you say yes to. So I'm always yes, 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 but I'm learning to embrace the no as well. That's good. We've got some good no tips actually that I can email to you. Yes, (laughs) I think we spoke about this at Business Chicks. Yeah, I'd love that because you're (laughs) so good with your tips, Chelsea. And also, you know what I still do, which I learned from you, was with my phone, it is not the first thing I pick up in the morning now. I really 
And that's made such a difference too that even though it's charging under my bed, it's not the first thing I grab (laughs) in the morning. So that... And that probiotics. That's Yay! the other thing I'm taking. That's <laughs> awesome. Thanks to you. Oh, you're so incredible. I'm so honestly, I feel so blessed to to be able to know you and call you a friend and be able to share your work with our community. And and how can people follow your work? I know most Australians will know who Jessica Rowe is, but how can they find your brilliant books? learn more about what you have to offer. And, I, and I'll definitely put this in the show notes. Um, but where can people find you at? Oh, you're beautiful, Chelsea. Thank you. What uh, You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Jess J. Rowe. I've got heaps of info and bits and pieces there and my daily terrible cooking and my crazy cats and all of that. I've recently written a book, Diary of a Crap Housewife, which so is sort of a, a light-hearted look at my life, but there's also quite a bit on mental health in there as well with book. recipes. That's at bookstores or Booktopia. You can order it through Booktopia. So they're, they're probably the main spots. Also, I've got a, a podcast too um, called One Fat Lady and One Thin Lady, which I do with my beautiful bestie, Denise Drysdale. So that's a good laugh. If people are looking for a laugh and a sense of eavesdropping on friends, that's a, um, <laughs> a good spot to listen as well. That is brilliant. Thank you so much for, for being on our, on our show today. I really appreciate it. And I hope you found that of value, everyone out there, and we will definitely link you in with Jess Rowe after the show. Thank you, Jess. Oh, thank you, Chelsea. If you're enjoying EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll always know when there is a new episode. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download our free ebook to learn, grow, be inspired, and live a happier life. Simply go to eqminds.com. And if you're feeling in a good mood, please feel free to give us a five star rating and review as that helps others find the podcast and that way we can impact people and other people's mental health and well-being. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It is not advice and it is not a substitute for seeking medical or healthcare professionals' advice. Any use of the information contained in this podcast or show notes is at the user's own risk.